0: gentlemen and welcome to episode seven of first and 16 the league year 10 pod i'm your host chris ferrera and it has been a month i've been without my co-host but he's back with me this week shane mckinney is here how are you doing shane
1: chris since i took my uh brief hiatus i aged 84 years <laughs>
0: it's been 84
1: years I immediately went on a two-game slide, so I'm happy to be back, and hopefully the, uh, the coexistence of my co-hosting and playing, the winning
0: continues in that combination. Yeah, the last time you were here, you were undefeated, and you were uh, bragging to Hayden about uh, you running away with the division, and now it's things have gotten a little bit closer since then.
1: I was just referring to divisional play, all right? <laughs> <laughs> Which I can at least, uh, no matter how, the next six or seven games go or whatever the three no still stands
0: until we meet again (laughs) yep exactly that's all that matters and you guys will get one more (laughs) shot at all those guys we're also joined um we weren't able to get another league member on uh this week's episode but we're also joined with a like kind of special guest he's sitting in my lap his name is banjo he's my dog he's terrified of the neighbor's dog and he came upstairs crying so he's joining us on the pod if you hear a bark that's him either agreeing or disagreeing with whatever me and Shane are saying in the moment. So it's well, n- not not a Barker soundbite. No, not a Barker soundbite. It's an actual dog. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, let's get into the action of this week. So it's been been a couple of weeks, but we had um, we had a big weekend this week. First off, there was no Thursday night football, so it was kind of weird. Like we, me and Marcus talked about it last week that it just felt odd that there was no like game into it. Um, I don't even. That's one thing I didn't look up when Thursday night football started, but it's been probably a good decade plus that we've had Thursday night football. So that was odd. But then this Sunday was so awesome because it was our second league get together, the Jurassic Park party. And I think it was another huge success. Both of us were at it. I think over 50% of the league made it out. And uh, what were your thoughts on it? And uh, we'll give some shout outs to Marcus and everything. But did you have a great time this weekend? Oh, absolutely. I mean, sucks
1: being far away sometimes, but it's honestly worth it because I think almost like, I think 12 or 13 league members came. Mm-hmm. It used to just be like four people would be willing to come out to a bar like five years ago, but uh, getting the league events organized like this was, was super dope. And uh, Polaris, uh, as much as I wanted to slander your name this week after you talked shit last week, <laughs> your hospitality was uh, unmatched in Jurassic Park. Hosted a, a super cool event.
0: Welcome to Jurassic Park.
1: Um, having the like, it was literally like being at a sports bar. We had a whole wall of TVs with Jurassic Park playing in the background, which was dope. And all the um, inflated dinosaurs with uh, big dicks hanging around the uh, garage <laughs> was very family friendly for those of us that brought children. So that was a nice touch.
0: Yeah. That was. <laughs> He did such a good job of cleaning out his garage and then he had his grill there and just made a awesome spread. It was like, we were at a potluck oh. Just awesome bacon and eggs and French toast. And, and then uh, John and him coming up with the Mason jar to create the, <laughs> the T-Rex pee, which was our, uh, our on-brand mimosas for Jurassic park. And I know Except I drank you a thought you, you you thought it was already mixed the first time and it was just orange juice. Yeah, I drank a full cup and I was like had full-on placebo effect being like, am I getting drunk? Like I don't taste champagne? And then he's like, yeah, that's only orange juice. <laughs> oh whoops. Okay. So then we mixed yeah. It. Uh, yeah, I mean it was it was awesome. We had uh, a bunch of different families there, your family, Escobar's family, Polaris's family. Alex Gabe came over. Andrew ended up coming over. I, it was awesome. We had the name tags of all the different dress park characters. And uh, like you said, like five TVs going in that garage, his Wi-Fi was probably the real winner of the weekend holding up <laughs> being able to play all those games. I will
1: say though, that even though we had so many TVs and games going all over the place, um, so it was hard to focus sometimes because it was just dope to see everybody just having drinks with everyone. And, Um, It was, I was also kind of stoked to uh, bring my daughter out and have her meet most of the league. I know it's uh, maybe a little weird and possibly risky to bring a baby around uh, all of us (laughs) when we're all drinking and stuff, but Mm. this is the family that she's going to be raised into. And
0: uh, I was happy to have her meet all her, her protectors, her uncles in the league. That was awesome having her there. I, I agree with you. I had the same thing normally every Sunday, uh you know we we keep our league notes together um on our phones and stuff and normally all sunday i'm writing notes down and i'm just kind of remembering what happened in the game i had to do all my notes like yesterday and monday because i was like i don't even remember what the hell happened on sunday because i was just drinking and hanging out with people
1: so you're just looking through box scores
0: like oh yeah that's right and oh i remember this big play okay okay let me let me make sure i write that down yep so this one uh I've done a lot more research for this episode rather than just remember watching in the moment. Um, But we still have a good episode for you. But yeah, again, we want to give a big shout out to Marcus and uh, my division Jurassic Park. It was a really awesome event, two events down. And uh, next up is uh, Avatar, which is next month on the 8th. Am I correct? That's right. Yes. Yes.
1: We have two venues in mind. We'll come to a conclusion on where it's going to be soon. But uh, just keep that open. Um, also fuck you guys for shitting on my announcement of the date. Um, we agreed on a date and I just wanted to establish it. I was not trying to overshadow JP, but we did that actually in the box scores this
0: week. So we got ours. This is true. This is true. Avatar ended up uh, three and one against Jurassic Park this week. So uh, we did all of our uh, you know celebrating at the party. you guys celebrated it in the box score. I will. Words.
1: Hayden was the only one that lost two guys, right? Um,
0: no, Escobar. I was the only oh, one that that's... was able to pull out a victory over him. Of course, that scrub. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that scrub. He did have a bunch of people <laughs> on bye weeks, but I I'm know. Not, I, I'm, know, not gonna, I know. I'm not even going to let him use that as an excuse because I didn't have McCaffrey or Melvin Gordon. So. Gotcha, bitch.
1: There you go. Even playing field.
0: Exactly. All right. Let's dive into now some act uh, some recaps of the week and talking about what happened last week before we give out awards and highlights and everything like that. First off, uh, I wanted to start off talking about, this is going to sound like a random player we're going to talk about, but somebody who has lit not only the football world, but the fantasy world on fire in like a super low-key fashion, I feel like, over the last year. Um, The question I pose is, is Ryan Tannehill the MVP, not only of fantasy, but maybe football? Is he Kind of getting himself into discussion because I want to give you this stat and then I'll let you talk. But since last year, it's a, a calendar year of this week that Ryan T- Tannehill took over for Marcus Mariota last year. Since he has taken over, fantasy, he is quarterback two in 15 games of action. In real football, he is 12 and three for the Titans with over 3,700 yards passing, 34 touchdowns, and only seven picks. So the man has just been unreal, and the Titans are sitting at 5-0. Um, and 0. Uh, Thoughts on Ryan Tannehill so far?
1: Well, he definitely wasn't on anyone's, like, target board. Uh, no. <laughs> coming into last season, and then what, he takes over early in the season, or middle early-ish, I guess? Yep. Mm-hmm. He just plays, like, really mistake-free football. He's sort of like a more boring version of Russ this season. And, uh, I mean, he, he'll throw to his tight ends. He's made Ferkser, whoever the hell that was two weeks ago. Um Another Harvard grad. Uh, yeah, another Harvard grad. Like, he's made <laughs> him a top five waiver, like, grab, I feel like, this week. If, well, that's if Jono doesn't play. Um, I don't know. Like, Pennell is really freaking good. And I didn't really realize that until he finally was on a consistently good offense for a season's worth. Like, that's – I feel
0: like this is the most stability he's had. I was not – on board with the Tannehill uh I thought last year was a huge fluke I just couldn't get the Miami years out of my mind and now though now that he's away from Adam Gase and we're seeing how much of a disaster Adam Gase is uh maybe that was the problem with him in Miami because ever since he got away from him he has just been amazing and like you said he doesn't turn the ball over it helps that you have Arguably the best running back in football behind you and Derek Hendry, who can get you, you know, if you need four yards, he's going to get you four yards. And as we saw this last Sunday, just absolutely tearing apart that Texans defense. But it allows defenses to have to like, you know, focus so much on the run that he doesn't he doesn't have to uh he doesn't really have to be Aaron Rodgers or Russ where he has to win the game on his own. He can just make smart decisions, not turn the ball over. He he doesn't have to.
1: Uh, be too crazy which is why i don't know the fact that he has derrick henry is probably the reason that he wouldn't win an mvp um, mm-hmm. because he has a thoroughbred <laughs> in the backfield that basically carries that offense at all times whenever they're struggling he'll move the chains mm-hmm. um, and he really opens up everything for him yeah but i mean not only does he have henry though i mean John smith is playing like a top five tight end right now and uh, A.J. Brown came back like a limited ability and him scored immediately as soon as yep. he entered the game. Um, so probably him. I bet him in his healthiest, most consistent is at least. That's wide receiver one in our league at top 16. Mm-hmm. Um, he has weapons all over the place. He's just – I don't know. And I wonder how much credit um, variables should be given in all that's of this. You know, is it the skill players or is he really like – he really turned it around because they look like they were struggling last season – Like, to get any kind of real offensive momentum going, it was just Derrick Henry. Yeah. And then they really picked up,
0: and this season, it's like, man, they're killing everyone. It's, like, true. Is Vrabel starting to really uh, take that Belichick, uh, become one of the first Belichick disciples to really become that super successful? Because all the other ones have really fizzled out.
1: Although, um, what was his name? Coach for us, and now coaches back with the Patriots again. Mc,
0: McDaniels.
1: Mick, yeah, that's right, McDaniels. I mean, what? who did he have with us? Kyle Orton. And Tim Tebow. And Tim Tebow. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. I would say Tannehill probably a cut above those uh, those two guys. Mm-hmm. Maybe he was shortchanged in the attempt he had with us, but, yeah, there's something about the, the Belichick coaching tree that's really shining through with him, but not so much uh, who's coaching in Detroit. Patricia. Yeah, he's struggling.
0: Yeah. So many others, too. I mean, uh, who just got fired in Houston. Bill O'Brien was also. O'Brien. yeah. Yeah. Even though they went to a bunch of playoffs, but still. But, I mean, if, if there's one thing that we can say that this is where we'll give a shout-out to Hayden. Hayden, it was a great – He, I remember him at the draft after he took Daniel talking him up, and I just wasn't drinking the Kool-Aid, but hats off to Hayden finding him a gold mine later in the draft. No kidding. No kidding. But as you said, the real probably X factor of this team is Derrick Henry. And he is unreal. That run that he had, the 94 yard touchdown run. Oh my God.
1: Is he's going to be the only player in NFL history with a
0: 90 plus yard touchdown in consecutive seasons?
1: Yeah. He's a freak.
0: He's a freak. The Titans, they just look good. They're five and O. They even dealing with COVID, they still were able to come out with like no practice and all their players out and stuff. So they're a scary team. I mean, they went to the AFC Championship last year. We'll see if they uh, can improve off of that. I mean, they really got to focus on – really, Kansas City was their kryptonite. They, sho- they showed that they were able to shut down Lamar Jackson, so I don't think they're worried about Baltimore, but it's just Kansas City that was their – the hump they couldn't it's, get over. It's,
1: it, that's very true. Last year, though, Tennessee did sort of seem a little bit like an imposter in the AFC Championship. Like, you, no one really felt like they were going to go to the Super Bowl. I mean mm. – and now this year them coming out undefeated um they were they're shutting everyone up i mean they're winning they were doing better than the chiefs right now
0: yep the downside of uh this week we'll talk about some injuries real quick moving off of tennessee the eagles again and 49ers the two probably most injured teams i feel like their entire depth chart starting of the year is now on ir or out especially Miles Sanders and hurting your team, Zach Ertz. Sanders is going to be out probably one to two weeks, and it's looking like Zach Ertz uh, is probably going to be out a month. Just decimated. Uh, I know that you were telling me the other day just how frustrated you've been with Zach Ertz this season.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't say I'm losing anything
0: with him not playing. <laughs> Let's be honest.
1: I'm pretty sure he's put up a goose egg and one or two more, like m- minus three three, three or less games. Been targeted a gang. He's like the A.J. Green, but at the tight type- position this season targeted so much but Mm -hmm. they've just been so inept and now their stars are fulgram and greg ward and boston scott and rogers who i just took for like eight bucks off this week yeah (laughs) oh yeah and boston scott who's actually pretty good though uh when he
0: covered for miles sanders last year yeah he's he's pretty good but honestly i mean the eagles i mean they're sitting at one four and one which is crazy that they're only like but in second half, half a game out of first in that division but I, Carson Wentz man he just can't he can't do it all by himself the poor guy everyone's shitting on him and it's like he doesn't have anything out there and he's still he still almost beat that Ravens team they lost by two points on a two point conversion
1: the play where he forces overtime by diving into the end zone as time expires symbolizes him and the Eagles <laughs> and their chances this season but the mm-hmm. AFC or I mean the NFC East, right? Mm-hmm. They're so, so weak. So, <laughs> it might be enough. I mean, I think they're actually favored statistically to win the
0: division at 6-9-1. and one. They are. I think ESPN posted a poll today. That yeah. 55% chance the Eagles win that division. <laughs> and it's all because of that tie they had with uh, Joe Burrow earlier in the year. Crazy. Speaking of more injuries front, another, so another brutal injury this week in the state of Pennsylvania. Poor Devin Bush. The Steelers, another team that's five and zero, they just lose probably, arguably their best defender. Um, that defense is loaded. I mean, Minka Fitzpatrick, Casey Hayward, T.J. Watt. Um, they have so many defenders, but Devin Bush was probably the heart. He was their signal caller in the middle. So that's a brutal loss. I know you have Pittsburgh's defense in this league, so. On yeah. That.
1: I mean, that's part of the reason I took Bush in our defensive league because I took the Steelers defense, you know, and he was what rookie uh, defensive rookie of the year in the AFC. Mm-hmm. Um, he's such like a, uh, he, I don't, he creates such a spark on the defense the way he plays, but it's always like next man up in a Tomlin defense and he goes down and then Steven to it, who forces a fumble in that game and yep. is in on a sack and um, gets a bunch of tackles on the line. So I don't know. There's just something about about Tomlin and his scheme and them as a unit. They have so much, like you said, they have so many good players. It gives it gives the players that need need a chance to step up the time to do that. And players like Minka, who was kind of quiet, I feel like a little bit this season, he came alive in that game and they when they needed
0: it. So Mm -hmm. I think they'll probably be just fine with one defensive player going out, anyways. I think so, too. One of the things I was reading that said, like, let's hope this isn't like when Ryan Shazier had his career ending injury, because going back to that year, I guess that that really like destroyed the locker room, like mentally. Now, this isn't as bad of an injury. This isn't a career ending. This is just season ending. But um, hopefully because this I I like the Steelers team as much as I hate the Steelers, I've just historically hated them because they've always you know, won Super Bowls and have challenged as one of the best teams ever. So I always kind of root against them, but it's hard to not root like this team. I mean, other than if you hate Big Ben, but it's hard to hate Juju Smith Schuster, Chase Claypool's a cool story, James Connor with the uh, overcoming cancer. All these guys on defense are awesome. So we'll see how how they fare post injury. Uh, let's move in. Yeah, let's move into some other stuff that we noticed over the weekend. The Falcons finally got their first win. They fire Dan Quinn and they get a win. Um, I, I saw a statistic that it says like almost like, I think it's like 70 plus percent of teams that fire their coach win their next game because the team gets some sort of emotional bump after the guys out of the office. They like shake off the bad juju. <laughs> yep, <laughs> Cause the Texans did the same thing. They won with Romeo Cornell right after they fired Bill O'Brien. It's like when you're in a
1: toxic relationship with someone and you have the recipe for success, but then you just get so jaded because things don't work out time after time. And then as soon as you split, they like go to the gym and get really buff and get a tan and, mm-hmm. and start trying new things. And then they find some new success in their life. And that's literally what happened with the Falcons and um, kind of cool for Gurley. Maybe he can be a part of that turnaround after they had such bleak hope for the season. I just wonder what's going to happen because I was just hearing – you were just, we were all just hearing rumors like a week ago that Ryan was going to get traded to the Niners. Mm-hmm. And now all of a sudden he is NFC offensive player of the week, <laughs> and they look like they have hope in a really weak uh, playoff uh, race. Well, that's what happens when you get to
0: play the Vikings. You get some optimism. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> Shots fired at our Vikings fans. They Another- can't even argue that. <laughs> <laughs> Another horrible – Loss, although great for you, was this Bill Belichick's worst loss? How did the Broncos kick six field goals and beat him this week? That was bad, honestly, because
1: we still have a lot of defensive players missing on our team. Yeah, we should not have been able to outscheme them like that. And but that maybe that speaks volumes for Drew Lock being back. Like mm-hmm. even though we didn't put up some forty points or whatever, like. Maybe he brought leadership with him, and the team felt inspired. Like there's still a chance, you know, with the expanded playoffs in the NFL this season. Like, can't eight teams make it this year? No, seven this year. Oh, seven. Okay, so mm-hmm. there's still a big percentage, you know, chance to to become a fringe playoff team and get hot at the right time. That's that's happened. Yep. Um, and Tim Patrick has been stepping up. Uh, respect to the the fad pickup. Mm-hmm. Beat Mina by a dollar for him. Shout out to Mina for betting. <laughs> 30 and I got him at 31 That's even though nice. I basically lost a week on him because of the first postponement. Um, but players are stepping up. Alexander Johnson is a big new piece of our defense
0: and, um, and Philip Lindsay stepped into the uh, shoes that Melvin so Gordon was
1: out. Philip Lindsay can finally came back from his fucking turf toe and then just tore it up and paced our offense and at least got us close enough for McManus to be the AFC special teams player of the week. Fucking six field goals. Anthony was just cursing himself because he Decided to choose between him and I think he said Bullock maybe. Oh and no! Every time he
0: F- Fairbairn of the Texans. Oh, the yeah. Care
1: Bear. <laughs> <Yeah>. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was a great win for us and an awful loss for Bill. They, they were favored. I feel like hand over foot in that matchup, and
0: they were at home uh, and yeah. And
1: Cam was Cam was back, right? And, yep. Cam was um, back. Even though we had like such minimal viewing of that game, that that was the only thing that kind of sucked on Sunday. Is like they were barely on TV because. No one was
0: scoring touchdowns. Yep. So, yeah. It was, yeah, bad, bad loss, which now has me worried because the 49ers traveled to Foxborough this weekend to play in Jimmy G's return to New England. And now we get a pissed off Bill Belichick, who just got embarrassed. So, even though we're coming off a good win, so that makes me nervous. But back to your Broncos, I think – Like you guys haven't really had a fair shake this whole year because you've never had your full complement of guys out there, whether Mm -hmm. it's Sutton getting hurt, Fant keep getting hurt, Locke was hurt, Gordon now being the one who's out. uh, Hopefully he'll be back, but yeah. And then your defense is uh, all in shambles with Vaughn getting hurt too. So I feel like there were such high hopes for the Broncos this year, but still who knows, maybe they're able to now, with getting pieces together rally and have a decent second half of the season.
1: Hey, next man up, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we all. I mean, we we cut Todd Davis, who for whatever reason we did, and he was seventh in tackles last year at the linebacker position for Mark Barron, who seemed like a good prospect. Then we lose him for the season, mm-hmm. and then we signed Boyer, and he was he's finally returning. I think this next week we had a, we missed him for multiple weeks, but that's I mean teams that deserve a shot. It's the next man up. They it's they next perform, man up. and we're close enough to maybe make a wild card, I don't – I mean, we're not going to make any noise in the long run, let's be realistic. <laughs> not this season anyways. I mean, there's a lot of growing up to do. And we're missing Cortland Sutton as well. I mean, that's a huge piece of our offense. Mm-hmm. Uh, fan, Yeah, like you said, Fan hasn't played a lot recently, but he's really good. He's taken that big step to a sophomore season, it seems like. But it's okay. This is a year for development. I'm happy to see the young guys get some play time and, and grow up a little bit without some key cogs in our defense and offense and to see what they can do. I'm, I'm really happy to see how much Tim Patrick has grown up. He's just stepped into that role. Like, okay, no problem. Yeah. Um, that's been awesome to see, but we'll, we'll, we'll see. Um, see. It gives me a chance to root for kind of like other teams around the NFL, like players and teams that are more interesting this year when your favorite team is not, you know, killing it. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm sure last year it was like Niners, Niners, Niners. I don't care what anyone else is doing all year long. Like, we're killing teams, but I'm, Years where you're under 500, you're like, okay, well, I can be a fan of other quarterbacks and receivers
0: and shit like that. I can be Rob Lowe just wearing the NFL logo. <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's so funny.
0: <laughs> all right, moving on to so, those were all the morning games. Uh, and then the afternoon, we kind of got screwed. We got two games, they literally gave us uh, Buccaneers. Uh, and Packers, which was supposed to be a great game, turned into a blowout, and then they gave us the Jets and the Dolphins, which was the worst game of the weekend. Um, But going back to Tampa Bay, it it looks like Tampa Bay is like the epicenter of the sports universe right now here in America when you have the Stanley Cup champs there, the Rays are in the World Series, and now Tom Brady all of a sudden has this team in first place down there.
1: Yeah, in Florida of all places. Mm Mm-hmm the yeah, place yeah. with no COVID restrictions at all anymore <laughs> who said fill and fill up our stadiums. Even yeah. the and even the pro teams are like, okay, we'll hold up. Like maybe just a 10th of the people. Mm-hmm. We'll go with that. But yeah, it's true. It, amazing things are happening in Florida
0: this year. Uh, you got to hand it to them. Yep. And Brady finally, after last week, he got so much crap for chewing out his offensive line for that embarrassing loss to the bears. Uh, you know, forgetting the down and everything and them just that was a bad loss to rebound and beat this undefeated Packers team a big win for the Bucks. but I want to focus on the Packers now I know we don't have any Packers fans in this league but this is everyone was anointing the Packers and yes Aaron Rodgers is so good um, but this is the same Packers team that I saw last year that the Niners two times kicked their teeth in um, if you can get a pass rush on Aaron and disrupt him up front and play solid you know, zone behind, like you can beat this team. It's when, when you don't allow them to run the ball with Aaron Jones, like they weren't able to, this Packers team is not as dynamic. Um, and I got to see it twice last year by the 49ers. I thought the Buccaneers defense did a great job of shutting down Aaron. And now the, the Packers still are a really good team, but I'm just, I was never completely sold on them. And there are people in all of the mainstream media already anointing them as the Super Bowl favorite in the NFC. But I was never sold. You are fake news. Or were you? Were you?
1: Well, you, come on, Chris. You don't think there's any NFC bias in that whole <laughs> perspective there at all? Yeah. I mean, you're you're you compare it to two games against the Niners last year, which attended the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. So you're NFC champions, they struggled against an NFC championship attending team. Oh, well, that's not that surprising. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you struggle <laughs> against those kind of teams. They do. I um, just... and. Okay, and a team that's – was they were undefeated coming to that game, right? Yeah. Okay, so they struggled in a game against a Hall of Fame quarterback, a pretty good defense with mm-hmm. some really good defensive players and Shaquille Barrett, Levante David, and Devin White, like really good defensive players. I mean, they still have Ndamukong Sue, Like, mm-hmm. he's a huge name. Um, so they had a rough game. They're 4-1. You don't think it's too early in the season to say, you know what, they were actually fucking scrubs all along. You just, didn't take the mask off then. They just, they stumbled a little bit.
0: I just don't think they're built for December football. Like they're more of a finesse team to me. I don't think they're as physical. And when a team pushes back on them, Aaron Rodgers sometimes folds. I think he's too, like when he threw that pick six, it was like literally, the, and they were up 10, zero. He threw that pick six and the game was like over. Like he'd like curled into a ball. Yeah, there's probably a little bit of NFC shade come, coming from me, but and and probably the fact that I like Tom Brady and it was nice to see them rebound, but uh yeah. and it, you saw it in this game and you're going to see it in the next game we talk about where teams that get embarrassed the week before come out and have a really good week, whether Tampa Bay, you know, getting embarrassed by the Bears mm-hmm. and um also with the 49ers which played on Sunday night after getting embarrassed by the Dolphins coming out and having a big win. So that could also yeah.
1: In it. I think another part of that that loss to Tampa to Tampa by Green Bay is sometimes when the vibe is like weird for Aaron like after a quarter or two things just don't seem in sync yet
0: mm-hmm. he
1: sort of just gives off the vibe like fuck it this game is what it is yeah and then comes out the next week and throws for four or five touchdowns and just gets it back together like I feel like he'll give up on a game early if it's early in the season or the game doesn't matter every game doesn't matter to Aaron Rodgers I don't think
0: mm-hmm. well and there's he apparently has the highest uh, passer rating in NFL history. He's literally like above Steve Young and all these guys. And mm-hmm. a lot of people that I listen to in the mainstream media talk about how he's like apparently really protective of that record. And in games, when he starts to have these mistakes, that's why he doesn't throw a lot of picks when he start when he has a pick like that or uh, several turnovers, he will be mr like check down he doesn't ever want to really force the issue because he doesn't want to have these Mm. catastrophic games that really ruin that record for him
1: yeah because he has the title so that Mm -hmm. part's locked up yeah but he needs to protect his numbers exactly so (laughs) that that makes total sense because you could just see Aaron being like that Mm -hmm. him bragging about his numbers it's like on as an analyst or something um down
0: the line and we just fucking hate listening to him (laughs) yeah So that's, that's my shade. I wanted to throw at the Packers. Uh, We'll move off them. let's move over. Uh, We'll finish up uh, the games of the week 49ers played the Rams just again, further proof that Kyle Shanahan is better coach than Sean McVay and Sean McVay is just an assistant of his and a product of him. Jimmy G rebounds and zero career against the Rams and uh, all the Yak bros scored George Kittle, huge touchdown Debo Samuel on a sweet reverse. And uh, Brennan Ayuk got a touchdown. So I've been posting all those Yak Bros memes. Uh, they're awesome. But downside, Raheem Mostert goes on IR. Looking like easily three weeks. They're saying it could be like the Christian McCaffrey injury because it's a high ankle sprain. So you potentially could be six weeks without uh, Raheem Mostert. Sucks for not only the Niners, but for Dan, who uh, has both uh, Mostert and Joe Mixon, who got banged up too. So Dan has some, some injuries to deal with at running back. But uh, I was a proud 49ers fan watching the 49ers rebound after that embarrassing loss. I always love when we can beat the Rams. Uh, I always, I live in Los Angeles, yet I apparently have such disdain for all the teams that are in this town.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I see that. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't think either of y'all are championship-contending teams at the moment, so... No, this is this not. is just your this is just your rivalry
0: and your hate for them right now. <laughs> yeah, yep. So that that wrapped up Sunday for us, and then Monday we had two games on Monday. We'll finish this up quickly before we move into the the awards and everything. But Monday, uh, what we thought was going to be an amazing, maybe you know, like you remember when Mahomes played Golf and that fifty point shootout. I thought that's what maybe we'd get when Josh Allen and Mahomes squared off. But Mother Nature had other plans for us as it was pouring freaking rain in Buffalo. I know that's,
1: that was such a downer.
0: Mm-hmm. And I
1: was like, I, I was telling you before I, I was so anxious about who to start a receiver and I started John Brown at the last second who got me a goose egg. Thank God it was irrelevant. It didn't matter my matchup, but he had an immediate, like he threw like from the 30 to the back of the end zone, he threw like 80 yards to John Brown mm-hmm. in the first quarter. And I'm thinking, here we go. Yeah. This is going down, but I couldn't even tell it was raining. Honestly, it was raining so light, so it was just made basically it made it hard to throw. It was like the check down game for the Chiefs. Um, and Mahomes kept it for like way more three to six yard runs than I think he had
0: any other part of the season. They were just moving the chains with him and Elaire. Mm-hmm. Did you see that sick boot that Mahomes had where he like accidentally crossed the line of scrimmage and like ran backwards like he was about to throw, but then he realized, Oh shit, I passed the line of scrimmage and had to spin around. And got the first. Oh, yeah.
1: I think he was he threw them off because he threw himself off. Mm-hmm. Everybody was thrown off the scent on that. No, they didn't give him the first. Oh no, no, no. They
0: that's right. They didn't.
1: They because went for Andy, fourth, Re- Andy Reed. Andy Reid was trying to get a review and he was hot because they basically just ignored that and moved on to the next play. He, I thought the spot was really good. It was like six inches shy. And then another
0: Chiefs running back aside from Eulaire gets a rushing touchdown. Yet again. Yet again. Uh, you're right. you're right yeah there, there was a fourth and one on that play and they scored on the fourth and one on a touchdown run mm-hmm. they just continue to find ways to make sure a doesn't score but he had it's his okay. best he had his best game as a as uh as a chief i think what he had 20 like six carries and like twenty plus yards so
1: he has like 160 yards rushing wow
0: and he is i just looked it up because of the bye week for kamara uh edwards Alaire just passed kamara for uh all-purpose yards on the season. He's number one right now in the NFL in all-purpose yards. So not bad for a rookie.
1: I hate the Chiefs. (laughs) God, I can't believe they have Bell.
0: I know, and then they get Bell this week, who had to sit out because of the COVID testing and everything. So their offense is just going to get any better. And they just beat arguably probably one of the most formidable teams that they'll have to face in the playoffs. Um, But honestly – as we've seen, it's it's better to beat a team or sorry, it's better to lose to a team in the regular season if you are going to play them again in the playoffs. We've seen that in NFL history where the Giants lost to the Patriots in the regular season and then beat them in the Super Bowl. Um mm-hmm. we've seen it several other times happen. I don't count the Bills out yet. I know the Chiefs are the favorite, but I still think the Bills have a really good team. And it was just 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 a bad game for Josh Allen and the crew.
1: I agree. Mm-hmm. Didn't he, really seem like they
0: adapted to the uh, to the weather
1: factors very well and um, not having Brown, like, be as effective, mm-hmm. not having that long passing game,
0: kind of like, I
1: don't know, it just made them seem off.
0: Yeah. The other Monday night game was uh, a blowout. We won't even talk about it much. Just uh Monday night meltdown for the Cowboys. Zeke fumbles twice, underwhelming. Drake ends up with a walk-off touchdown for Anthony, and uh, the Cowboys are somehow still in first place, two and four but uh are atrocious. Uh everything just looked bad. Um so I feel bad for our Cowboys fans not really, but uh yeah, that was that was a bad game.
1: Uh but, quick quick real quick. Uh, mm-hmm. Cam had a brilliant idea. Cam Anderson, the Cowboys need to call for FitzPatrick. <laughs> if he slotted into that offense with those kind of weapons, I do would throw for 5,000 yards. It's
0: true. I think they need to I think they need uh some offensive line help. Like three of their starters out it's it's rough on that offensive line right now it's it's bad bad speaking of Fitzpatrick the last thing we'll touch on before we go into the awards is the big breaking news this week Tua Tonga Bailoa is getting the call to action Dolphins bye week he's gonna get the start me and Shane are on opposite ends of the spectrum I think it's the right time Shane thinks uh not thoughts on the Tua start
1: they're finally in playoff contention and they bench their quarterback Mm mm-hmm I mean this if if this isn't the most dolphins move ever then um, they they deserve the the failure they're going to get from Tua by bringing him too early and I mean Fitzpatrick was like a top 10 quarterback. Yeah. I mean he was throwing all over everybody. Yeah, he turns it over a little bit but so he's moving the ball down the field, he's scoring with this offense. Now Tua has to grow. They're basically saying, "Okay, you have two weeks to start we're in second place we're finally in front of the Patriots for the first time in forever Mm -hmm. um don't fuck it up
0: (laughs) it's true it sucks he has uh he at least gets two weeks they did it on the bye I feel like Brian Flores probably planned that he probably uh was gonna aim for the bye that was probably the whole plan and I bet when they put him in at the end of the game last week they just wanted to give him see how he would be live and the moment they saw him they're like all right he's healthy let's go because the health I feel like was one of the main issues why he didn't get the start from the beginning. But I agree. I feel so bad when the fits when the Patrick news came out today about him being heartbroken, that kind of like broke my heart a little. I did feel terrible for this yeah. guy. He's 37 and he's having arguably the, one of the best starts of his career. And uh, he looks like he has so much fun out there. But again, I, I look at it as from the Dolphins. They know they're not going to win this year. Like they're not going to win a Super Bowl with Fitzpatrick. So it's best to get the young guy in right now. I also think another big thing is because when they traded Laramie Tunsil to the Texans two years ago or a year ago, they got two first round picks for that. Um, And the Texans right now are God awful. And that might be a top five pick. So they have that pick, which I was reading about saying that, this could be why they're starting and now is because they need to know right now if they need to maybe go get another quarterback in this draft. Because if the Texans have the worst record, which I don't think will happen, but if they do, could they go after Trevor Lawrence or somebody like that? Well, they, they keep
1: need- finding ways to lose. It's very possible.
0: Yep. So that's probably why they force the hand. I also think it's like when, when you invest a first-round pick in a quarterback – even if uh, he's losing games like Herbert, you're seeing other first-round picks like whether it's Kyler Murray, whether it's Lamar Jackson, all these guys come out immediately um, and start playing really well. Like you have to just see what happens with Tua. Mm-hmm. So I see it from that end, but I do feel terrible for Fitzpatrick. All right, I I accept your logic. Okay, mm-hmm. fine, fine, <laughs> fine. At least he I wasn't. <laughs> at least he wasn't uh, stabbed by a doctor for <laughs> <Poor> Tyrod. <laughs>
1: They didn't have have to go Pulp Fiction on him.
0: Yeah, shots fired at the Chargers organization for malpractice.
1: By the way, I called that on the first – I think it was the first episode or second episode or whatever it was that they sat Tyrod and Herbert got his first start. And I said that Tyrod would not take another meaningful snap for the rest of the season. And since then they came out and said that Herbert is our guy for the rest of the year and it's official. He is
0: our guy. He is the guy. Even if he's 0-4, he's uh, he's putting up the numbers. So he looks like it's just a learning season for him, but he looks he looks oh, dynamic. Yeah. Her- Herbert looks good. All these young quarterbacks. <laughs> All right, let's move into the highlights and lowlights. That was kind of a long recap, but a lot of fun stuff this weekend, so we wanted to touch on it. Uh, we'll kind of rapid fire through this. Uh, no real big fab, fab spenders this week. Um, Mina combined to spend 25 on both Corey Clement and McManus. It makes sense because he has – uh, miles sanders so he needed just a emergency fill in smart to add McManus after that massive week and then the other big one was Escobar spent a combined 16 on Havid's Firkser and uh his Raider Renfro. So you needed uh needed uh, some fill in at wide receiver that makes sense you said you you spent uh what eight this week eight dollars yeah I bid eight on Rodgers
1: and Seven on Ferkser. Mm. I figured I'll get one or the other. I need a backup tight end, a little depth there. Um, I wonder how much, Do you know how much Ferkser went for?
0: I think he went for eight. I think he got oh. you by one.
1: <laughs> it's it's honestly fine. I'm probably yeah. just going to roll out Fells. I mean, my tight end position has been bleak
0: this season as it is. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll see if these are any, you know, move the needle guys. Maybe Mina, maybe Corey Clement gets some run while Sanders is out, but he'll have a battle with uh, Boston Scott, but we'll see. Not a lot of move, moves this week after several weeks of people spending lots and lots of money. There were some trades though, this week, I'll give you, I want to see your reaction on it. Cause I talked to Marcus a little bit about it, but first it was, let's talk about all the deals first. Uh, Dan and myself made a deal. I got the, pay, uh, the Buccaneers defense and uh, Dan, I gave him a bunch of wide receivers kind of, Really helped me out this week that the Bucks played freaking amazing against um, the Packers. Dan ended up getting some wide receivers. Dan would have won this week, but uh, he got shafted. We'll talk about him more at the awards by Anthony's last second Drake run. So it almost would have worked out for both of us. Do you have any thoughts on that deal? Or? I mean, the defense you dropped to acquire Tampa also scored like 14
1: or 15. So the Tampa wasn't really the difference maker in that trade. No, no. Um. They had a really good week, don't get me wrong. And for mm. them to do that against Green Bay was sort of fluky,
0: I thought, to
1: have such a good scoring week in fantasy, anyways.
0: Um, but it worked out. I dropped the Arizona Cardinals defense, who ended up getting 15 against the Cowboys. Yeah. Uh, the Bucks got 21, so it was the better move, but I panicked because when Chandler Jones went out for the Cardinals, I was like, oh my God, he's like he sets the edge on that defense. And mm-hmm. so did you see
1: re- who? Did you see who added the Cardinals' defense this week against the Seahawks? Anthony, right? Anthony, yes. Uh, bold strategy, Cotton.
0: We'll see how that plays out. Putting them out against Russ risky. Mm-hmm. Speaking of Anthony, the other move was Anthony and Andrew. This was probably the biggest move of the weekend, where um, they swapped. I think three or four players. Anthony ends up getting his new starting quarterback in Matt Ryan. And he also gets some depth pieces like Jerry Judy and Joshua Kelly. And Andrew gets the injured Nick Chubb going to play the waiting game. And uh, Andrew decides to go all in on Joe Burrow for the trade. He wanted to move off of uh, Ryan to start playing the rookie. Uh, thoughts on that deal? A lot of win-win. Yep. Um,
1: and Andrew is going with his guy. He no longer has to argue with his brain and his heart anymore. He just goes with Burrow, which now they're one in the same. Mm-hmm. and burrow's throwing like he he's putting up good volume yeah whether or not he's putting up four touchdowns a game is, an, is not the story yet but he's gonna give him probably 300 yards almost every week that's that's a good starting quarterback so um I, I mean i thought it was win-win honestly and studio ghibli is i feel like tight mm-hmm. you look at total scoring so um, there's time for a couple of those young players on this team to pan
0: out and maybe get hot at the right time during the season.
1: I think yep. it's good for both, though.
0: I think so, too. I think Anthony needed to win now, and he couldn't wait for Chubb and Eckler to get healthy. No. And Andrew mm-hmm. needed some help at running back and figured maybe he could survive until Chubb got around. And and if he does, Chubb's a great piece at the end of the season to be getting on your uh, roster. Yeah,
1: yeah <laughs> if he's like 500 right around playoff time, and then he mm-hmm. comes back and immediately becomes a top 16 uh, running back, which is likely yep. from the time he starts playing on.
0: Yeah, that could be huge. Could be huge. Could be huge. Um, and then the last trade of the week was Anthony uh, and Cameron. This one was more at the wire. Anthony gets uh, Darren Waller from Cameron. Mm-hmm. Cameron gets depth pieces like uh, Latavius Murray and some other people to fill out his roster. That has been. Oh, and Julian Edelman. Anthony getting a tight end. Both these teams. We'll talk about Cameron more later, but uh, when I mean, Anthony in, or... did what he needed. Anthony did what he needed to do. He got a quarterback. Well, we've seen Anthony now remodel <laughs> his team. Anthony has got his quarterback. He got a tight end and mm-hmm. uh, Anthony has made about, I think like four trades now. So we, we knew that this was coming. Um, I'm not even, I'm not even confident that this is the team I'm going to play against.
1: It's true. <laughs> it could, could <laughs> completely change by the end of the week. Up to half of his lineup could be different. So we will see. Mm -hmm. I don't know what I'm preparing for yet.
0: Yep. We'll finish (laughs) out these highlights and lowlights. Shout out to Pineapple Express this week. Man, Pineapple Express goes 4-0 and sweeps Studio Ghibli. I've
1: been up in here trying to get a motherfucker scholarship.
0: Pineapple Express is currently, after me and Shane talked all that noise week one about everyone underperforming, (laughs) is now the highest scoring division and everyone is above 500 um six weeks in so that's impressive when your last place team is sitting at three and three um it's pretty damn good division Uh, another kind of unique shout out to your division avatar you've had three different division leaders in the last three weeks since the last time we talked when you beat hayden you were in the lead escobar quickly won a couple games and took the lead two weeks ago and now Hayden has jumped into the lead in a tiebreaker fashion with you with a little bit more points for us. So your division is looking super competitive as well at the top. Look at all those chickens. Are you nervous? Are you still as confident as you were uh, when you were last on here, Shane? Um, uh, There's definitely points being put up in my
1: division. I'll say mm-hmm. that. And I believe I am third in scoring right now. So whatever I'm working through right now, I just need to work through it, uh, mm-hmm. but it's agree. tight though. Honestly, like we're all having good weeks and down weeks. Um, like you said, what's it? It's so far. It's been a three-headed monster, but then uh, Brandon lost to Kyle and Kyle's only a game or 2 um, out of contention in our division as well. So it's tight right now. Mm-hmm. And uh
0: pineapple express is good or whatever, I guess. So anyways, moving on, <laughs> moving on last thing I wanted to touch on the Raiders offensive line. All got sent home this week because of COVID really uh, bad news for Josh Jacobs and the Raiders. If you have any Raiders, I just wanted to touch on that. All right, let's get into awards and let's give out these awards and we'll wrap this episode up. We kind of went long-winded and everything. Um, MVP award. Uh, we'll go every other, sir. I'll take the MVP. MVP award goes to our friend, Kyle, Derrick Henry, 212 yards rushing and two touchdowns, 52 yards receiving 38.4 points this week. He is a monster. Congrats, Kyle, for the MVP award.
1: Next up, we have the Beast Mode Award to our own Alex Whiting, who put an ass-whooping on Reza this week. Mm -hmm. And it was one of our matchups of the week coming in because both of them are putting up points and have good records. Um, But, man, Alex's team went off 131.74 led the league this week. Yep, wasn't even
0: close. Inconceivable! Second! Uh, We talked last week about renaming this award. It's officially the first ever Robert Muldoon, Clever Girl, Eat You Alive Award. No longer the (laughs) Dahmer because we're going Jurassic Park themed. Clever girl. This one also is going to go to Alex over Mike. 77.42 point differential, the biggest point differential on the season. Congrats, Alex, for beating your best friend into a pulpit.
1: (laughs) The participation award this week goes to Cameron Anderson.
0: That is one big pile of shit.
1: 52.4 points scored. I actually was just asking, Chris, uh, yesterday, I'm not the lowest scorer of the season, am I? And He said, no, Cameron beat that this week. (laughs) Uh, It's been a rough, unlucky season for you, bud. Congratulations on the
0: award. Congrats Cameron. That's the lowest point scored on the season. So uh keep setting those records Cameron. <laughs> Games of the week. This one was kind of tough so I picked two. I want to give shout outs to both. Uh the first one to Anthony over Dan again. It was a walk-off win. Anthony ended up winning 92.24 to 81, but the score was a lot closer. It was like a Three less than three-point differential as the Cardinals had the ball looking to run out the clock and Drake breaks off a 69-yard touchdown run that ices the game. Anthony defeats Dan. The other one I wanted to give a shout-out to was Kyle getting a big win over Brandon. It was 116-96, to but it was a lot closer than that. Uh, Ended up with a goal-line sequence at the end that decided the game where if Brandon would have got a touchdown from Zeke, he might have won the matchup but Andy Dalton threw it three times in a row and ended up throwing it to Cooper for a touchdown, which iced the win for Kyle. Hats off to Kyle. Big win for you. Let's go nice. to our favorite award now. Never gonna give you up. Never gonna let you down.
1: The Rick Astley Award. <sighs> to Cam Bam, An 0-6 start to the four worst scores, sub-60, and his worst start to his league career. Woof. It's um,
0: been rough. It's been rough, my friend. Uh hats off to you starting 0-6. That's only been, a, <laughs> been done, I feel like less than maybe one or two times in this uh league where somebody started off 0-6. Um, yeah, as Shane said, Cameron has some of the worst scores uh of the season. And uh I did the math. If So he's been out Michael Thomas. If Michael Thomas would have been healthy, and I took the average of Michael Thomas last year where he scored 14 points a game, if he would have had Michael Thomas in his lineup, he'd be one in five. So it's not the Michael Thomas injury that's causing all the mayhem. It's been a rough start for Cameron. 2020. 2020. But things are looking up, Cameron, because I looked at your record last year. You finished the season out in your final eight going seven and one. So if you could do that for your final eight this year, you might still be able to get back in the mix of it. So it's not all over yet for you. Rick Astley. Um, Okay, we're going to wrap this up right now. Quick, again, this week, week seven, it's the midway. We're halfway through the season, guys. Keep going. We got uh, seven more weeks to go. A lot of bye weeks this week, the Ravens, Colts, Dolphins, and Vikings. And uh, we both have two matchups of the week here. Uh, I'm going to give – I'll let you go first for the top one, and then I'll get the second one, Shane.
1: I would say my matchup of the week is – Mine and Anthony's. Ooh, nice. We have rich history in the league and as divisional rivals as well. We almost always play each other. Uh, I mean, I have to play Martinez every season, no matter what. Mm -hmm. Kyle and Anthony, hopefully both every year, but Anthony and I are definitely longtime league rivals, both in uh, playoff positioning right now and coming into week seven. This will be a huge win for both of us, whoever takes it throwback to star Wars division rivals. Oh yeah. To the, to what would it be? The rg 3
0: pos versus the, the uh, masturbators, the
1: masturbators.
0: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. And then uh, the other two honorable mention ones, I want to give a shout out Alex sitting at four and two, number three in the power rankings playing against the highest scoring team in the league, which is Marcus Escobar. That's going to be a good scoring matchup. Both of them have been scoring a lot of points. And then the other one, Mina versus Hayden Hayden at four and two leading his division Mina five and one with the best record is squaring off buddies you're gonna have to duke it out this week uh that one's gonna be awesome to look at but awesome episode we're gonna wrap things up right now guys Shane I hope you had a blast on your return back to the pod hope this was a good episode for you I had a lot of fun did you definitely it's good to be back Good to be back. All right, guys, have a great rest of your week. We'll see what happens on Sunday. But from us to you, have a great rest of your week, guys. Peace out. Peace.